Hello. Hello. Hey, buddy. Here we are. Hey, I apologize about that. No worries. Uh, So, uh, welcome to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation podcast. This is uh, today's guest is my friend Bud Weiser. He's a good friend. He's a beautiful Dr. Drill instructor and program participant and motivator. Uh, He's got a lot to. A lot of good experiences in life. He's a family man. He's just a good dude. Can't say enough, but I'm going to let him talk before long. Uh, welcome, bud. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So uh, welcome aboard. So I, I just, Bud and I spoke for our listeners. Bud and I spoke yesterday uh, briefly about the concept of us getting together and, and tapping into the... Um, the ample minds of those in our midst, uh, our friends, our family members, and trying to solve some of the big problems of the world <laughs> and some of the small stuff as well, right? But um, as an attention gets, so Bud and I were talking a little bit about uh, DDIP yesterday, which is a program that we had run for more than a decade. It was uh, a fitness uh, program, boot camp inspired exercise regimen and he was a big part of that um and it we were talking a lot about teamwork and melting pot that we tried to make ddip it was uh, uh again something near and dear to our hearts and uh as a guy running it i was continually awestruck by just a human capital that was part of the program. Um, different folks, different ideas, different um, from different backgrounds, and the commonality was hard work and exercise and friendship, and and there was a lot of good that came from it. But I, if I could, I a friend just sent me a cool article this morning. The author was Sebastian Younger. He wrote the Perf- the Perfect Storm, which was later made into a movie. And he also wrote a book called Tribe. And it was an awesome book that I would recommend everybody to look into. Um, it essentially talks about the common threads among like people who are uh, serving in the military or people who are part of a workforce or even our society right now. And he wrote a, an article, um, Tribalism and the Pandemic. And so his point ultimately is that we have something that is a great equalizer that's uh, cutting through the demographic and saying, okay, this is a challenge. You have to deal with this. And this is, of course, the coronavirus pandemic. So um, nobody is untouchable. And uh, in that, we have an opportunity to, um, we finally have something in common, everybody, every walk of life. So um, we had better stick together. So I would like to, scratch that itch during our conversation today. But first, I would like to hear a little bit from you, Bud. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I'm married, two kids, uh, six and five, two girls, uh, beautiful girls, uh, my beautiful wife, Carrie. Um, and... I work in the construction business specifically as an electrician for the last 25 plus years. 
It's taken me across the country uh, to Rhode Island, Washington, Oregon, uh, Florida. Uh, so I uh, was a DJ for a little bit, for about 12 years of uh, my life, DJ weddings and parties. That was a lot of fun. And then when I uh, started to have children, uh, I realized I wanted to stay home and spend time with them. So I retired from DJ and uh, started staying home on my Friday and Saturday nights. <laughs> <That's> appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, Love to, uh, I love DDIP, uh, love to exercise and the uh, camaraderie that it brought. It brought and uh, it just, it was a different, uh, it was a different atmosphere, it was a different animal than anything else that is out there. Um, just was, it was different, and it, uh, it's exactly what I needed, you know. So, have you seen? Uh, but uh, if, if I may, what um, interesting, first of all, about the uh, you see, you kind of made light of the um, the DJ background. 12 years, a long time to be a DJ, bro. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would just do weddings and parties. Um, and I never got into the uh, school dances. Um, never got really into the bar scene because, you know, uh, you'd be locked in you know, three o'clock in the morning, every Friday, Saturday, you had no life. I still wanted right. a life. I still wanted to go to Phillies games and go to the shore and do what I wanted to do. So I worked about half the weekends out of a year. Um, and I never advertised. It was all work, you know, hearsay and word of mouth. Um, the cool thing I did while doing that was I was a part of the relay for life, uh, cancer, uh, fundraiser at the Ben Salem high school, football stadium so i would set up four huge speakers i would rent on the stadium seats and just blast the music across the whole stadium and then you know people would be walking for 24 hours straight i'd play from 6 a.m to 11 p.m and then start it back up at 6 a.m sunday and play them you know wake them up with the uh bugle boy at blaring it (laughs) on you know 12 max volume, you know? <laughs> so that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds like something cool to be a part of too. You know, that's... it was great. It was great. I did that for about six years. Uh, it was part of that. Uh, so every year, awesome. every year it was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what are some of the, uh, the things you might miss about being a DJ? Oh boy. Uh, I can't say uh, the, the characters. I mean, you know, you, you meet a bunch of characters, and you, you can you can pretty much point them out, like exactly who's going to be the guy that's going to embarrass, you know, somebody, or the guy that's going to come up to you and say, "Hey, you know, this will get them out on the dance floor." And then you play that song, and then you got an empty floor, and you know, <laughs> then you got the the guy who's you know at a wedding, the best man that takes a his best man speech and he talks for 45 minutes well that that's great that's great you know uh <laughs> it's just 45 minutes less that i gotta worry about 
<laughs> I've seen some of that. I've seen some of that in my day where where the uh, the nerves will get to the best man or the booze or a combination and they they'll go diary at the mouth for for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And then they hand it over to the, the maid of honor. Right. And then uh, or the matron of honor. And then she'll she'll spend about 20 minutes to, you know, 25 minutes saying something. So you kill about an hour there. <laughs> yeah, everybody's waiting around to eat dinner while these people are talking you know no disrespect but you know keep it short and you know let the people eat <laughs> yeah it's amazing i've seen that phenomenon you just you go through that stage of uh i don't know your late 20s early 30s or whatever where you're going to a wedding several times a year and and you see see those all those things you're talking about play out um, and I would imagine that working in that industry, you know, um, there would be some things that uh, that would be a little bit of uh, routine or continually encountered sort of scenarios where the you know the, on the dance floor. What's what's the most often um, or what song can you no longer stand listening to? Electric slide. As a result. Of- Electric slide can't do that. <laughs> Actually, no. I love I love music. Uh, I love all types of music, and depending on my mood, depends on what I listen to. But you know, I grew up uh, with Motown, and I I didn't grow up, but I grew up liking it. You know, and I enjoy Motown and rock, and then hair bands and uh, pop pop music, and you kind of get a a feel for it, but uh, there, there were times that I would come home from a wedding and just drive home and not listen to any radio at all. I just wanted complete silence and just, I don't want to hear any more songs. I'm just going to drive home in complete <laughs> silence. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah. No, there's, there's nothing really. Everything, uh, you know, I just love music. So um, it, it was fun. It was that's a fun cool. time. You know, I, I was. I was talking to one of my students uh, recently, and she said uh, we were just starting out the summer semester, and she said, identified herself as a uh, as a music therapist, or she worked, I think, in the in the uh, senior citizen setting uh, as a music therapist. Or and, and I, I found it very interesting talking about uh, whether with our uh, our theme of bringing people together and everybody. Um, singing to the same tune, dancing to the same tune. There's, that is pretty incredible when you get, whether we're talking about a wedding or a Relay for Life or some sort of event like that, when everybody starts to uh, grooving to the same uh, music, the same rhythm. That is a pretty interesting thing to see. Yeah, music can bring all, you know, everybody together. Music is, um, bonds us. Uh, some way it brings us together it's it's good to see you know anything that can do that and uh it, it's a little inspiring it's a little inspiring yeah absolutely man what would be what do you think would be a good uh well i'm sure there's there's plenty but i mean i i you mentioned you mentioned just a moment ago that uh there were times where you're driving home you just didn't want to listen to anything you know that's an interesting phenomenon i have that experience myself where if i'm let's say i don't know stressed out or i'm focusing on the 
getting my day started or I've had a long day at the office, something like that. And then uh, I'll, I'll drive home. There are times when I just feel like I don't want any sort of input. I don't want, I just drive home. <laughs> I, in fact, I saw a meme, I saw a meme the other day, but it goes, uh, if you've ever driven home, if you ever had such a bad day that you drive home below the speed limit with no music on. <laughs> yep. And it's so true. <laughs> it but is. Then you can take that. Then like, if you're going to do something like, let's say we were going to, uh, we show up to DDIP. We're about to get our exercise started. I would always be very careful trying to uh, get some sort of soundtrack on something that would get people fired up so that, you know, give them a little mental jumps, jump start for the workout. So that's interesting, man, the way that music can, can tickle that. Yeah. And then, so, you, so, so that's, that's awesome. That's interesting, man. I sh- I'm sure we could do an entire podcast just on um, the DJ experiences, but you mentioned working, uh, you know, in the, con- in, as an electrician and your family man. And, you know, we're all always shifting gears. Like you said, we have to make choices in order to, uh, to switch gears in life. You know, you can't quite be a DJ and a family man at the same time, or I imagine that's gotta be difficult, but. Um, it's you know, it's yeah. doable, but it just wasn't for me. You know, it was time for me to, to hang it up. And I really felt myself wanting to be at home with the family um, rather than be out till, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning. Um, I wanted to be home and, I found myself starting to not care uh, towards the end about the uh, event that I was, uh, you know, DJing that I felt wasn't fair for them, you know, for me to have that attitude, you know? So I knew at that time, it was time to hang it up, be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be on, on mission and stuff like that. I could see. But and that's you know we all have these choices to make across time. But I'm happy to have you're doing so as well as you are. And uh, I've met the family; are all wonderful. Your ladies are wonderful, wonderful human beings, and you're doing yeah. a great job. No, I try, I try. You don't care, you don't care. Yeah, we all have our. And of course, now we're we're um, as I mentioned before, we're all kind of dealing with with this common challenge. Um, and so you mentioned earlier um, that when you came, uh, a little background on, on DDIP, that we'll use that acronym, mm-hmm. Dr. Drill Instructor Program. Um, once again, it, is, it was a fitness regimen. So most people that were, would sign up for the course would be um, looking to get in shape, looking to cut some weight, looking to um, to exercise essentially. And, and this was a hard early morning exercise regimen that, that, um, you know, was always challenging, but, uh, you mentioned that there were some things that were in your participation that it was a different environment. So what, what is part of the atmosphere in DDIP that was that you don't, that you see is scarce in society a little bit? Um, I, I felt like, you know, there was a little, you know, it was like a little, your little side family that people cared about you. 
um, wanted to see you uh, su succeed um, and do better. Uh, and it didn't matter, you know, your, your, your height, it didn't matter your width or, you know, your size, it, none, none of that mattered. It just mattered that people cared about you. Um, and, uh, it encouraged me to, to stay at it and keep going. And I want to go back for more, get up at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, sweat like a pig that I do and start mm -hmm. my day, at, you know, get it after a shower, start my work day at six o'clock and feel like, all right, I got burned a thousand calories and got 6,000 steps in. I'm good to go. Let's, let's attack this day. Right. But why do you think, what was it about the, I don't know, what, what, what do you think made it a unique environment in terms of why would people care? Why would, why was it such an, uh, there's so much fellowship in the course. I mean, what is that? It's the people, just, just the people. Everybody felt the same. Why? How is that possible, though? You know, it's one, it bought, that that interests me because I've I've often felt and spoke speaking to enough um, boot campers that uh, over the years that that was something that was the special something that made. The, the secret ingredient. It's just like when you're making a pot of soup or something, or, you know, mom's making a standard recipe. It's like, it's love is a secret ingredient, but this, there was always something, the glue that held it to the program together has always been just people, I guess, counterintuitively caring for and looking out for other people, like a, a service organization or a, like we're on the same team, but it's amazing because in, I feel like in the day to day, uh, in the mundane, if you will, it's not like that. We don't care about other people. It's just that we are in, there's such a frenzy. Life is such a blink of an eye. And then you got an appointment here and you got to, you know, go to work at this time. And now this changed and you got to get the kids off to whatever. There's so many little details that make us, the, our society, um, a little callous, a little like not not chummy like that. You know that that chummy quality. Uh, frankly, I guess when I started DDIP, that was I. It, it sprung from my experiences in the Marine Corps, where you're part of a team. And you, I mean, you talk about a, a melting pot, you know, I mean, in my first unit, I had you know, everybody, people from the South, from the North, from every, all points, black, white, Hispanic, um, everybody. And nothing was crazy because nothing was sacred. You know, if you had to, I would say, if you had the big nose and a little dick, you know, somebody's <laughs> going to, somebody's going to, you were going to be known as the guy with the big nose of the little Peter, you know, and people were going to have fun at your expense. But at the end of the day, it was like, you know, you might not hang out off duty together, but you, there was an affinity. There was a, that person could, you know, could save my life. That person might be carrying my ammo or be next to me in a firefight, or I might have to snuggle with them in a fighting hole or, so when I started DDIP, 
I wanted. I, I it was definitely by design. I mean, or it just part of my experiences. So I I wanted that to manifest in the program, and I could not believe how people took to that. Um, you know the the uh, the passion that people really put to work and. Again, in other circumstances of their lives, I'm sure they're wonder, everybody's wonderful and caring people to some degree, but inside that program, if somebody, uh, as we were talking yesterday, you know, if you're out there and we're circled up at five o'clock in the morning and there's a new person uh, that's there and it's obvious and they don't know how to do a side straddle hop and you step in front of them during the exercise and start showing them the ropes or you make sure they're okay or somebody's got a puke. And so you go, go after them and make sure that they're all right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they, if you see them take a, a visit to the bathroom, you stop in after a while and say, Hey, everything. Okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah. I think what, what help, what starts it, uh, what started it, you had to have a good base. And I think drill, I think you were that base, you know, you, you put that out there. You know, you were the you're the first one to put it out there, and it just followed suit. And I think it start everything starts with a good base, right? And then, you know, you might see somebody uh, conquer a goal, you know, and then, you know, or they look at you and with a smile, and you think, you know, hey, he's he's cheering me on, and you know that look on somebody's face when they're smiling, and their eyes are bright, and their body language is open and jovial, and they're just full of happiness. And that's just inspiring you to, you know, keep going and do on to others that somebody just did to you, you know, just, it was a great thing. It's a, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, that notion of pay it forward, you know, that, that, uh, you know, you were actually citing a little bit of history here where, you know, somebody more than a few times, somebody is either lost bowel or bladder control in the program they're they're training so hard maybe they pass out or they they're struggling on a run or they got you know they're getting uh queasy and so for somebody to come to go and pursue that person and say hey are you okay and you help them you know right their ship and get back um out there and then in confidence you you know that that could be you, or that was you. It was you, you know, absolutely. When you started out, absolutely. You know, and that what is so if that was you, and you know you can relate, and you they you conveyed that to them, and they they see that you're not laughing at them, or that somebody actually you know cares, and you know, I mean, it's I think it just goes a long way, and I mean, I've seen that in workplaces, I've seen that in on sports teams, I've seen a lot of great fellowship and a lot of uh, wonderful humanity being being shown out there. But I just think that it was um, it's interesting to have experienced an environment where I've always felt that okay, so we're training hard, we're doing our calisthenics, we're lifting kettlebells, we're running over here, we got an hour to do it early in the morning, and um, there's no time. There's none, you can't spare a, a respiratory cycle to to kibitz about what's happening in politics or 
society or pop culture. It's just, you're just, you're just doing the work and it's almost meditative. And then the people around you, they are, they're experiencing it simultaneously. So it's kind of like, it's like we're vibrating at the same frequency. And then of course, as we could say, when you leave there, when you drive away and you're full of sweat and you're, you know, you're, you're heading off to, to get beat up by the world, by work and responsibilities, then you we're a little bit more prepared. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's very exactly. And, you know, we all know that, you know, we all know life's not easy. Um, and we all have our ups and downs and, but we all know that about each other. And when we would come together every morning, your religion and politics and differences just all got set aside. You have, like you said, you got an hour to do this. Let's get it in. And you got a five minutes to take a breath, go get a swig of water, get back in formation. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And, you know, you got it done. And it's, you know, everyone has our stories, you know, and stuff knocks, life knocks us down, drives us backwards. But, you know, when people decide that they want to stop that and they pick themselves back up and they move forward towards their dreams or their goals or to, um, uh, hey, I, I did uh, five push-ups or I did 10 burpees and, you know, I wasn't able to do one when I started, you know. Um, right. It's just uh, keeps you motivated. It's inspiring. Absolutely, man. Thinking, <clears throat> you know, I was just thinking about what we're talking about the uh, this fellowship there. Yeah, there's a, a great comedian. You ever watch uh, Sebastian Maniscalco? I have, I have, yeah, yeah. So he's got a skit, and I think it, it's it's pretty. Um, it, it's in relating to the. Um, I guess just the way society uh, flows, the way we treat each other in society or um, he's told us, tells a story about back in the eighties. Well, you know, back in the eighties and before there were these, uh, you know, neighborly, we were, people seemed to be more neighborly and uh, it you know, the, the whole notion of, I need a, a cup of sugar or I need, you know, <laughs> Uh, some milk or, you know, come over, go from house to house. Like somebody will give it to me. People were, I mean, even when I reflect upon the old neighborhood, I remember that people knew one another. They knew um, who this family down the street, the Smiths were and what they did, parents did for a living and, and how many kids they have. Maybe there's some of that now. I know that, that, it, that it's alive and well, but it definitely seems like we as a society have been spread out and seem, I mean, I mean, I'm in my neighborhood here. I know some of my immediate neighbors pretty well, but there's a lot of, uh, it's not as much like that. So Sebastian tells a story about how um, Italian moms and when back in the day, somebody with the doorbell would ring and uh, <laughs> the mom would be like, Hey, we got, you know, the, even if it was somebody unannounced, you know, Mrs. Jones comes over for uh, a cup of sugar. She says, hey, come on in, Mrs. Jones. Here, we got a cup of coffee. We got, we got, hey, no kids. Nobody touched that carrot cake because it's for, com 
companies coming over. We got company. And then now um, he, he, uh, he describes these days where uh, somebody rings a doorbell and people are like, what's that? Who the hell invited somebody over? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I don't know when that's, but that's real. I mean, that's a funny thing. I think everybody can relate to my dog barks and, uh, you know, she charges the door, whether it's a jogger or, or a family member. Yeah. And I feel like what we're talking about that we've experienced in DDIP and in, you know, in uh, randomly across our lives and work where people have come together and, and, and rely upon one another more. Um, that is the antidote to that sort of scenario. Not that I necessarily want people coming over for company. Nice. <laughs> I mean, life was simpler, right? I mean, a lot of moms didn't oh. work back in the day. So there was always, it was kind of like a Fred Flintstone and Will. Absolutely. I don't think, you know, I got home from school. I do my homework, go ride my bike. Hey, mom, I'm going down to Jimmy's. And okay, I ride my bike to Jimmy's. Jimmy's not allowed out. He's grounded. Okay, I'll just go to Bob's. Well, my mom didn't know I was at Bob's. She still thinks right. I'm at Jimmy's. So now Bob's two blocks away. So I go to Bob's. And then, okay, he comes out to play. So now we go over to, you know, Frank's house. All right, let's go there. I'd be out for hours. They had no idea where I was. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it. Hours. Yeah. And right. And everybody's. And everybody's, um, you know, the, the come home when the street right. lights and come a, on. A, right? a thunderstorm or a rainstorm would come through. All right, we go hide under the bridge, you know, till, or we go hide. Let's go, go in Jimmy's house until it stops raining and we go back outside. I never got a phone call. Hey, is my son there? You know, it's raining outside. Is he floating away? You know, did he get struck by lightning? <laughs> they didn't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy, 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 get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, uh, what, you know, what, what is that? Like, why is that something is not that, there? Um, yeah, why is that unique? Why is that a such a precious and kind of like a, a scarce, comparatively scarce commodity? Is it because we, um, is it because we are so busy, we become so focused on producing and um, just, you know, both parents typically uh, work and the family unit is, I don't There's also trust there, you know. Um, every parent trusted the other parents um, or they trusted, they trusted the public, they trusted society. Um, back then, and I mean, sad, but you know, families back then even trusted their children with, you know, a, a man of the cloth, um, and you know, so yeah, you know, not and not that and that sure. burned yeah, us it, a little it, bit. It did, but uh, there was a huge trust but there. It, like, oh, I, I can remember the. Oh, so-and-so went down to the, the Cape May or down to Ocean City with Father So-and-so for the weekend on a retreat. Oh, nice, nice. He got, he got asked, but the other altar boys didn't. Like, 
you know, years later, you're like, yeah. oh, you know, there was a trust. There was trust there. Yeah, it was trust. I trusted you with my child. And it went to the community, to, to the neighbors, to the to Jimmy's mom, to Frank's mom, you know, and I don't know. They just didn't worry about children playing outside. And the lights came on. Time to go inside. And here comes the mosquito, uh, the mosquito truck, you know, spraying his spray. And oh, mm-hmm. we've got to ride behind the smoke. Let's ride our bikes behind the smoke. And breathe that in. Right. <laughs> I'm still alive. And many times, many times, though, you know, despite some some clear violations of trust, it was honored. You know, like, I mean, I we all had a friend. I had like surrogate parents and stuff where, like you said, you know, hey, I'm going to sleep over, you know, Johnny's house or I'm going to I'll be down at the park. And we all went down the park and there were common places where we would play and we would uh, run around and and chase the ice cream lady and all that stuff and and those were i mean there's still some of that but it's just it's amazing it seems like it's the stories that our parents the stories that our parents would tell us about the things that they would do when they were kids and now we have it's like groundhog day now we have our stories that we tell and it seems like the world has changed so much course technology technology's you know, changed technology is uh it's changed i mean we we had our, co- yeah, our I mean, video game consoles you know back then i know i had uh in television my friend had atari and somebody else had whatever uh i forget what the other one was but you know then there was a time that my mom would say hey enough of that turn it off go outside and play and i would get locked out of the house Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and technology, it's not all negative. I mean, there's been a lot of connections that are uh, courtesy technology. I mean, uh, I'm glad the days of the stretching the phone cord around the corner, <laughs> lying on the against the wall, talking to your girlfriend is over. But, you know, there's obviously we spend more time inside. We spend more time on these devices. And now, we, um, I guess the biggest challenge and w- what really strikes a, um, into prominence, this, uh, th- this substance we're talking about with the, you know, the camaraderie and stuff like that is that we can't physically be together in many cases right now. So people are, uh, we talked about the masks and, um, and how, like I was talking to a guy yesterday, a patient came in and he, I was like, Oh dude, you're growing a beard. Like, no, I've always had a beard, <laughs> but he's like a relatively new patient. I've seen him, you know, maybe 10 times over the past couple of months. And he, uh, you know, he, he's been covered up. And so that kind of um, messes with our trust and with our body language and, um, so ideally, obviously, we get through this time sooner rather than later, but it looks like it's going it's to go on for a while. Um, but having experienced some of the, you know, the, the positives of and, and the trust uh, among individuals and that it's honored and that, uh, that it can work. I mean, I, I, one of the things that 
Younger is talking about in his article and his and his bigger book is that um, tribalism. You talk about, you think about like cave people. Well, uh, back in the day, we live in cave communities. Maybe we have thirty or fifty people in a group that we would rely upon, and everybody depended upon everybody. Correct. Everybody had a job, right? You go out and forage, or you'd fish. And, uh, you know, uh, other people be making the, uh, the dinner or making clothes or raising the family or whatever it was. But everybody had a well-defined and role that was um, we couldn't were a lot. We couldn't get along without one another. And um, when times are hard like this, like he tells a story about World War Two, when um people had to rely upon one another. Let's say it was like these bombings that came through uh, London that there were people out of shelter in place for, for a very long time. And they didn't know when the next bomb was going to hit and that it was a horrible time. But looking back, some of the people who experienced it said it was one of the best times ever because everybody had to rely upon one another and all the little things we bicker about if we're if we set to kibitzing over a cup of coffee or whatever about our little uh, you know variations in our favorite politician or our, our favorite policy or whatever the hell it is our our economic class when you take and when you, the, the positive the silver lining maybe about a time like this is that it strips away all of that bullshit and you just have human beings and human beings we've forgotten, I don't know, in some circumstances, we've forgotten how to truly rely upon one another. Agreed. Agreed, definitely. Um, you, know, you mentioned so, you know, technology, and technology is a great thing. It allows us to do this, uh, what we're doing now. Right. Um, that's an information gathering. Uh, you had to wait till the six o'clock news to get your, your news. Now it's immediate. It's right at your fingertips. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're survivors, um, deep down inside we'll survive and we'll get through this. We will get through this. I don't know, you know, when the time frame, but we will come out on the other side. And things might be a little different, uh, but it might be better for it. I can say that, honestly, I have enjoyed the last, what, eight weeks at home now, uh, spending quality time with my uh, family and my children that I normally would not have. Uh, prior to the shutdown, you know, I was running the rat race and finally sitting down on the weekend saying, okay, what do we got to do to get done? Because Monday starts work week again at school and daycare. Uh, what do we got to get done? Because we don't have time during the week. Now this has allowed me to stop and spend just quality time. And it's been great. It has been great uh, that way. Uh, spending time with the family and us just not having to worry about running that rat race as much as I'm, I'm ready to get back into it. Uh, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, it's not to say it, it's, there's such a it's like you're in a trance i don't know if uh, like i i've always said disclaimer i love everything i do you know i you know i got my office you know taking care of people i uh ddip back you You got your wood carvings a lot more um got my wood carvings Mm -hmm. i i love all the things that i do but i i mean as as we talked about yesterday three months ago i was bitching about them and bitching about that I didn't have enough time to do the things that I wanted to do. And, um, you know, my wife, the same thing. She's, you know, loves her job. She's great at it. You know, we got a family. We got, we got all the things that your average uh, human being, and in particular an American, is looking for. You know, the family with the white picket fence and, and you know, well-employed and all that. But, you know, there was there was something missing. There was uh, the pace was not something that was possible to maintain without something giving, whether, I mean, it could be, it could be your time with your family or it could be your health or it could be, I mean, there's so many of us that just, we sacrifice things because we we were compelled. We're, we're drawn into this. It's like you're on a conveyor belt as a, as a, I don't know, a consumer, a citizen, and in the midst of that, we're being bombarded by uh, the news, which you pointed out is, um, it's at our fingertips. It's awesome that we have this instant access to information, but it's almost like there's so much, it's like 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. And uh, to have a break from that, I agree, man, that it's been wonderful to, to have some surplus of time to spend with the kids i mean it's my son's 13th birthday today and he's i can't believe he's like a he's like a man you know i've seen him grow up more than in the past right. couple of weeks or months than i have in um, in a very long time and and that's a shame so i hope that I, as much as i'm interested in getting back to the grind and you know making sure that america is back on its track economically and socially and all that and want to get through this intact with the pandemic um, there are some things that i would want to keep during this time that i would uh, i would make sure that i kept in place some lessons learned as you mentioned you know family and making choices and and uh enjoying your time but how we let how we let it collectively as a civilization get to the point where we lost a lot of the good stuff that we've mentioned, the, the uh, unity within the community, the feeling, the sense that we're all on the same team. Uh, I mean, we have, as per, um, you know, I think it's scientific fact, there's never been a better time to be alive, supposedly, in terms of all the, the, the hmm. creature comforts of modern life. I mean, despite despite crime being at a record low uh their people feel like for whatever reason they uh, they're they're not going to let tell their kids to come back when the street lights yes. come on the kids are gonna be playing in the yard you know um we're not we've relinquished a lot of that trust which um maybe we can get back maybe uh 
when the after party occurs, after we get beyond, we get a vaccine or whatever the hell we do to fix this, um, perhaps everybody will run into the streets and rejoice and uh, embrace one another and and we will we'll take stock, we'll get regularly remind one another of what we didn't, you know, what we couldn't do and then literally, you know, hug them. Reach out and touch hands, someone. Get back to shaking shit. hands. Get back to, you know, hugging everyone and, hey, and happy to see you. Hey, you know. Right. Do you need anything? You know, do you need anything? Can I help you? How you doing, neighbor? Hey, I I'm sorry, I didn't. I never took the time to to get your name or to to understand, you know, you know who your family is and what you guys are up to, and uh, how I how I can be a better friend or neighbor or spouse or or whatever. Um, but you know, I just think that here we've taken note of some things that uh, the environment going back to DDIP. You know, the environment in the program, I think one of the most, the, the greatest benefit of the course, the biggest success of it was the bringing of people together and, and having everybody uh, just vibrating at the same frequency. And that is just friendliness, health, um, compassion. Genuine, genuinely caring try to, about the person next to you and then the person next to him and the person next to her. And then that person and that person, it's just generally caring about one another. Yeah. And I, I get right. And, and, you know, helping people, we all know that when you help others, it helps you, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you want your ambitions to be your intention to be pure, but uh, it's a, uh, you give and you get. And so that is just the pay it forward uh, construct, that notion of just doing right, doing, helping people and, you know, looking out for other people. It just pays dividends. I don't understand how we can lose sight of that, you know, or how we, um, it's so scarce, but it's, it does seem like a scarce commodity in this, uh, in this world. And, but I think that, uh, and I'll send you that article, but I think it's really a great time. It is a, a real um, silver lining that everybody has this problem right now. And so we need one another and nobody's insulated from it. And so it's not like, you know, this has only happened to like with HIV AIDS. Oh, there's a sense that it was only happened to homosexuals or or that this is this is an economic right, thing right. and it's only affecting poor people or only affecting this country. Well, it's affecting, you know, we we were so naive about it that uh, I think that the, even the, you know the people at the highest levels in our society assume that this wasn't going to become an American thing. <laughs> it it couldn't happen to us, you know. Well, now we see that we that it can. And uh and we need to stick together and, and uh, circle Bring it the wagons, in. so to speak. School circle. <laughs> Soon as the coast is clear. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. school circles, one thing we would do, right? And that was uh, 
we'll do a little school circle now. You know, say toes, go, and then people would we'd all circle up and take a knee and talk about I don't know, such and such has this problem, or hey, we're gonna have to do a let's help them through it. Hey, we gotta I need some volunteers. We're gonna do this thing for Man on Main Street or um, whatever the the mission was. A little bit of mental training, bringing in for a little unity. Like we're all one, two, three team sort of thing. And, uh, and so let's do that now. But mm-hmm. uh, let me, before we go there, bud, I want to ask you about um, motivation. Since this is making motivation, we talked about some of the things that are motivating. What motivates you in particular on a personal oh, way? Um, My family, not letting them down, being there for them. Um, uh, that's it, man. That's, I, that's, you know, the, um, that's the all walks of life. You see people um, doing good things, and especially in today's current events. Um, you know, no matter where I've lived in my life, I always had good friends around me. Um, they helped me through tough times, celebrate with me. Um, they show me kind of love that can exist, the respect and mutual bond and adoration. And uh, right now, everybody's doing what they can. Um, and it might seem little, but to them, it's a big deal. To them, it's a big thing. Um, just, uh, you know, the emergency service professionals um, put their lives on the line every day. And up down to any, everybody, the world, just, uh, you know. That's that's something that uh, that's a good point, man. Definitely, family is motivating, um, motivates us to want to do our best, to want to represent well, to want to make them proud, to protect them. And you mentioned the first responders, which, as we discussed yesterday, I believe um, we know we you know everybody's got a friend or cousin or whatever who's a nurse and who's doing a great job and working on the front lines or a cop or a firefighter or EMT or, and it's, it's an interesting thing because when somebody's out there making sacrifices for you, but you can't, you know, unfortunately you haven't been under care by that nurse or that doctor or that EMT. Um, so we don't, we know that they're there. We sense it, we read it, but we don't, have the knowledge that in inside scoop on what it's like to be like that. And that's one of the things where, you know, going back to service of any kind service to your common man or woman um, service to your family, uh, military service. The notion is that you're going to stand for others who can't or aren't in the position to do that at the particular time. Um, but you do it knowing you might not get necessarily get thanks 
or that some people can't appreciate it. And I know a lot of people feel that same way. People, you know, just like, you know, when a 9-11 occurred or whatever, and everybody loved firefighters, you know, they were like the toast of the town um, because they knew the sacrifices they made. And we can only listen to some of the stories and see some of the footage that we get that's available out there that's illustrating the fight that these and again the the biggest problem is this is an invisible foe so we we only hear about certain health complications and people suffering but then somebody else an article will come out and say that oh it's very unlikely that if you're unless you're really sick already you're going to be okay and those competing that information that's competing information for our attention and as topic for another podcast, but we're programmed. We, we are being programmed and um, there's all this information that's constantly coming at our, at us and we have to process it and determine, is it, does it apply to me? Is it, is it valid? And so there's still, that's the thing. It's like, everybody was like, Oh my God, we're all in this together. And then sure enough, the shit comes out with the politics and the people calling each other names and people saying they're not going to wear a mask or they're not going to do it. So it's definitely a time to be looking out for one another and to find all the motivation and discipline and fellowship that we possibly can to scrounge that up and just be there for, for, um, for one another. So, but I gotta say you're, you're a fine friend and a great person. And, uh, I am so happy to. Uh, well, thank you. To count you, thank you for the kind words. And yeah, you're awesome, dude. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about the uh, maybe the the wedding <laughs> the wedding trolley uh, UV light yes thing at another time. But we'll do. This is a successful podcast, and so listeners, I, I want to you know just remind you one more time. What, what I'm going to try to do is. On a daily basis, I'm going to try to do maybe an hour podcast with some of the most interesting, awesome people in my life. And again, the term is human capital. We've got a lot of uh, human resources out there, people who are just like you and I, and, uh, and they've got some things to impart of value and some stories to tell. So today was uh, me and Bud Weiser, Appreciate great friend. And Thank I you. love you like a brother, buddy. Love to the family. Enjoy your day. Thank you very much. Take care, my man.